Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about chronic kidney disease. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash ckd or in the renal medicine section of the second edition of the Zero to Finals medicine book. And you can find flashcards and questions to train your knowledge on the content of this podcast and help you remember it for longer at members.zerotofinals.com. So let's get straight into it. Chronic kidney disease, or CKD, refers to a chronic reduction in kidney function sustained over three months. It tends to be permanent and progressive. Let's talk about the causes. Kidney function naturally declines with age. Various factors can speed up the decline and cause chronic kidney disease. The two most common causes of chronic kidney disease are diabetic nephropathy or diabetes or hypertensive nephropathy or high blood pressure. Chronic high sugar levels passing through the glomerulus in patients with diabetes causes scarring, which is called glomerulus sclerosis. Chronic high blood pressure causes scarring of the small vessels, the glomerulus and the tubules and this is called nephrosclerosis. Other common causes of chronic kidney disease include medications such as NSAIDs or lithium, glomerulonephritis and polycystic kidney disease. Let's talk about glomerulus sclerosis. Glomerulus sclerosis describes scarring, or sclerosis, of the glomerulus. A key feature of glomerulus sclerosis is proteinuria, with extra protein in the urine. Glomerulus sclerosis can be caused by diabetic nephropathy, or diabetes, or focal segmental glomerulus sclerosis. Focal segmental glomerulus sclerosis involves patchy scarring of the glomerulus where specific or focal segments of the glomerulus are sclerosed or scarred. It can be primary with no underlying cause or secondary to causes such as drugs, for example anabolic steroids, or infections, for example HIV. Next let's go through the presentation of chronic kidney disease. Most patients with chronic kidney disease are asymptomatic, meaning they have no symptoms and they wouldn't know they have the condition without testing. Signs and symptoms as the kidney function worsens are non-specific, and they can include things like fatigue or general tiredness, pallor or pale skin due to anemia, foamy urine which is caused by protein in the urine, nausea, loss of appetite, pruritus or itching, edema due to fluid retention, hypertension or high blood pressure and peripheral neuropathy due to damage to the nerves affecting the peripheries, particularly the feet. Next let's talk about the investigations. The estimated glomerular filtration rate or EGFR is based on the serum creatinine the patient's age and their gender. The EGFR estimates the glomerular filtration rate, which is the rate at which fluid is filtered from the blood into Bowman's capsule of the nephron. 
Proteinuria, or protein in the urine, is quantified using a urine-albumin-creatinine ratio, or ACR. And this is the ratio of albumin to creatinine. If the albumin level is high because lots of protein is being leaked out of the kidneys, the albumin-creatinine ratio will be raised. Hematuria, or blood in the urine, can be assessed using a urine dipstick or microscopy, looking at the urine under a microscope. Microscopic hematuria is when blood is identified on testing but is not visible on inspection with the eye of the urine. Macroscopic hematuria refers to visible blood in the urine. Hematuria or blood in the urine can indicate infection, malignancy, for example bladder cancer, glomerulonephritis or kidney stones. It can also occur in polycystic kidney disease. Renal ultrasound can help identify obstructions, for example kidney stones or tumours and also polycystic kidney disease. Other investigations are necessary to identify risk factors including the blood pressure for hypertension, HbA1c for diabetes and a lipid profile for hypercholesterolemia. Next let's talk about the classification. A diagnosis can be made when there are consistent results over at least three months of either an estimated glomerular filtration rate or EGFR sustained below 60 milliliters per minute per 1.73 meters squared or a urine-albumin-creatinine ratio or ACR sustained above 3 milligrams per millimole. The G score is based on the EGFR. The A score is based on the albumin-creatinine ratio. So a G stage of G1 is when the EGFR is above 90, G2 is when it's 60 to 89, G3A is when it's between 45 and 59, G3B is when the EGFR is 30 to 44, G4 is when it's 15 to 29, and G5 is when it's under 15. An A stage of A1 is when the albumin-creatinine ratio is under 3 mg per millimole. A2 is when it's between 3 and 30. And A3 is when the albumin-creatinine ratio is above 30 mg per millimole. Accelerated progression of chronic kidney disease is when there's a sustained decline in the estimated glomerular filtration rate or EGFR within one year of either 25% or 15 milliliters per minute per 1.73 meters squared. So accelerated progression is when there's a drop of either 25% or 15 points in the EGFR within one year. Next let's go through the complications. The main complications of chronic kidney disease are anemia, renal bone disease, cardiovascular disease, peripheral neuropathy, end-stage kidney disease and dialysis-related complications for patients on dialysis. Next let's talk about management. The kidney failure risk equation 
can be used to estimate the five-year risk of kidney failure requiring dialysis. The NICE clinical knowledge summaries updated in May 2023 suggest referral to a renal specialist when patients have an EGFR of less than 30, a urine-albumin-creatinine ratio of more than 70, accelerated progression, a five-year risk of requiring dialysis above 5%, or uncontrolled high blood pressure or hypertension despite four or more antihypertensive drugs. Treating the underlying cause of chronic kidney disease involves optimising diabetes control, optimising hypertension control or blood pressure control, reducing or avoiding nephrotoxic drugs, and treating glomerulonephritis where this is the cause. The target blood pressure is less than 130 over 80 in patients under the age of 80 who have chronic kidney disease and an albumin-creatinine ratio above 70 mg per millimole. If the albumin-creatinine ratio is less than 70, then the normal blood pressure targets apply, which is typically less than 135 over 85 on home blood pressure readings. Medications that can help slow the disease progression in chronic kidney disease are ACE inhibitors or angiotensin II receptor blockers as an alternative to ACE inhibitors, SGLT2 inhibitors, specifically dapagliflozin, and finerenone. Reducing the risk of complications involves exercise, maintaining a healthy weight, and avoiding smoking and atorvastatin 20mg for primary prevention of cardiovascular disease, which is offered to all patients with chronic kidney disease. Management of complications involves oral sodium bicarbonate to treat metabolic acidosis, iron and erythropoietin to treat anemia, and vitamin D, a low-phosphate diet, and phosphate binders to treat renal bone disease. And we'll talk about these complications and their management in more detail shortly. Management of end-stage renal disease involves special dietary advice, dialysis, and renal transplant. Let's talk in more detail about ACE inhibitors. ACE inhibitors are offered to all patients with chronic kidney disease with diabetes plus a urine-albumin-creatinine ratio above 3, hypertension plus a urine-albumin-creatinine ratio above 30, and all patients, including those who don't have diabetes or hypertension, who have a urine-albumin-creatinine ratio above 70. In patients taking ACE inhibitors, the serum potassium level needs to be closely monitored as both chronic kidney disease and ACE inhibitors can increase the potassium level and cause hyperkalemia. Next, let's talk about SGLT2 inhibitors in more detail. Dapagliflozin is the SGLT2 inhibitor that's licensed for the treatment of chronic kidney disease. It's offered to patients who have diabetes plus a urine-albumin-creatinine ratio above 30. Dapagliflozin is considered 
for patients with diabetes plus a urine-albumin-creatinine ratio of 3 to 30, and non-diabetic patients who have an albumin-creatinine ratio of 22.6 milligrams per millimole or above. Next, let's talk about finerenone. Finerenone is a non-steroidal mineralocorticoid receptor antagonist. NICE, in 2023, recommended finerenone for patients with stage 3 or stage 4 chronic kidney disease, albuminuria, meaning high albumin levels in the urine, and type 2 diabetes, in addition to ACE inhibitors and SGLT2 inhibitors. Next, let's talk about anemia of chronic kidney disease. Healthy kidneys produce erythropoietin, which is a hormone that stimulates the production of red blood cells. Chronic kidney disease results in lower erythropoietin levels and a drop in red blood cell production. It causes a normocytic, meaning normal-sized, normochromic, meaning normal colour, anemia. So in patients with anemia of chronic kidney disease, there are less red blood cells because the bone marrow is not being stimulated by erythropoietin, but the red blood cells are normal-sized and normal-coloured. Anemia in chronic kidney disease may be treated with erythropoiesis-stimulating agents, such as recombinant human erythropoietin, essentially putting more erythropoietin into the system to compensate for the lower quantities produced by the diseased kidneys. Blood transfusions can sensitize the immune system, which is referred to as allosensitization, and this increases the risk of transplant rejection if the patient were to go on to have a kidney transplant in the future. Therefore, blood transfusions are avoided where possible. Iron deficiency is treated before using erythropoietin. An iron infusion given intravenously is usually given rather than iron tablets, particularly in patients who are having renal dialysis. Next, let's talk about renal bone disease. Renal bone disease is also known as chronic kidney disease, mineral and bone disorder. It involves a high serum phosphate, low vitamin D activity and a low serum calcium. Reduced phosphate excretion by the diseased kidneys results in high serum phosphate. Healthy kidneys metabolize vitamin D into its active form. Active vitamin D is essential in calcium absorption in the intestines and calcium reabsorption in the kidneys. Active vitamin D is also responsible for regulating bone turnover and promoting bone reabsorption to increase the serum calcium level. Therefore, chronic kidney disease leads to less vitamin D activity and a low serum calcium. The parathyroid glands react to the low serum calcium and the high serum phosphate by excreting more parathyroid hormone. This is called secondary hyperparathyroidism. Parathyroid hormone stimulates osteoclast activity to increase calcium absorption from the bone. 
Osteomalacia occurs in chronic kidney disease due to increased turnover of bone without an adequate calcium supply. Osteosclerosis, which is increased density of bone, occurs when the osteoblasts respond by increasing their activity to match the osteoclasts, creating new bone. Due to the low calcium level, this new bone is not properly mineralized, meaning it's not properly formed. A characteristic finding called Rugger Jersey Spine on a spinal x-ray can occur in renal bone disease. This involves sclerosis, or more dense white, to the ends of the vertebral body and osteomalacia with less dense white in the centre of the vertebral body. And the name refers to the stripes found on a rugby shirt. Management of renal bone disease involves a combination of a low phosphate diet, phosphate binders to remove extra phosphate, active forms of vitamin D, specifically alpha-calcidol and calcitriol, and ensuring an adequate calcium intake. Osteoporosis can occur alongside renal bone disease and this may be treated with bisphosphonates. So thanks for listening to this episode on chronic kidney disease. I recommend heading over to members.zerotofinals.com so you can test yourself using the flashcards, short answer questions, multiple choice questions and extended matching questions on this content to help you remember it for longer and identify points and specific facts that you've missed. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast and I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about dialysis.